last week, um, uh, after Zane had preached, God really just put on my heart that story about being a weed for Jesus. And um, super quick, I just want to kind of reiterate again, not tell the whole story, but I shared with you guys that I had been at a, at a conference and this British dude, South African dude, Australian dude, I'm not sure, he had one of those accents like that, spoke English. He was uh, telling us that as Americans, we all do something really, really well. Whenever we do something, we do it better than anybody. And as we were getting pumped up, as you remember from last week, he said, what you guys do better than anyone is lawns. And uh, you can just imagine our hearts just sank like lawns. What do you mean by lawns? And he proceeded to just say how much we energy and effort and money and pesticides and fertilizers we put into lawns, how much work we put into them to make them all look exactly the same. And he said, man, you're one of the only cultures that does that. Most people, they glory in the weeds. And because weeds don't need the fertilizer, they don't need the pesticides, the weeds don't need all that care. In fact, weeds, man, you're always pulling those up because they're just growing strong with deep roots and growing volunteer. And he proceeded to say, that's what we should be as believers. That we should be weeds. We, instead of trying to look like everyone else, we need to be who God created us to be. And so today, in a spinoff of that, that I really didn't realize was going to happen, um, but in starting uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be talking about running the race. The Apostle Paul uses the illustration a lot about running races, about your spiritual life, you know, your spiritual walk being a competition. Not a competition with other believers, not a competition to compare ourselves to others or competition among churches or anything like that. But it's a competition against our enemy. We have three enemies, three enemies in this world. Um, and, uh, and, and we have, first of all, who's our first enemy? Satan. Satan. We have a real enemy. Satan is real. We have an enemy that the Bible says is like a roaring lion and he's seeking to devour us. And um, I heard an old preacher say one time, if you hadn't met him today, you're probably going his way. Have you ever noticed, Gary, we were talking, I'm not going to bring up any more, you know, uh, but, but Gary and I were talking earlier. He's going to quit talking to me before church, but, uh, <coughs> but he was just saying, man, there was a day where I just went about my business and didn't encounter any obstacles, any kind of anything to fight through. And since I've been following Christ with everything I have, there's obstacles in my path every day. But, but as he shared with me, he said, man, I glory in those. I, I enjoy them now. They used to just bother me and used to slow me down and stop me. But now, man, I look forward to seeing what's coming next because I know I'm following God. And, what, and, and, and it's strengthening me to get through all this. Did I paraphrase what you said? Okay, there, Gary. All right, man. And, and that's what I'm talking about. We have an enemy that is like a roaring lion. And if you're not receiving any opposition... One of two things is true. You might be wanted, you might be going his way, or two, look out because it's coming. All right? Just, you know, you follow Christ, there will be persecution from that enemy. And I'm covering that by the blood of Jesus. And we know as believers that when that opposition comes, that it's coming by his design. We know according to Romans 8 28 and 8 29 that it's for our good and it's for his glory. We know from the word of God that it's to make us more like Christ. It's a good thing. And we don't have to, over, have to worry about it because if we follow Christ in doing this, we are going to be better for it. It's only there by God's design. So we have that enemy that we're running against. So when he's talking about running the race, you're, you're running in a competition against him. You're not catching me, bro. 
You're not going to knock me down. I'm going. I'm running. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. And he says, oh, yeah, let me try. But you just put on more Christ because greater is the one where? The one in us than the one that's in this world, which brings me to the second enemy that we have. The second enemy what we have is this world system. And if you study the world, the world system, what Jesus even said four times in the Gospel of Mark, he said, this is not his system. Now, understand, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is in control of everything. But at the garden, with the hearts of man, Satan stole it. And, and, and God wasn't going to force us to love him. He wasn't going to force us, you know, to, to encourage and discourage us in our relationship. But love is a choice. Roger, what's the only way that you can show God you love him? Obedience. Obedience. Yeah. Exactly. And it was programmed in your head that that's all you could do. There's no love involved. You're a robot, or lack of a better word, a robot. But the idea is that he gives us a choice to either follow him or not follow him. And by love, we choose to obey him. And so we live in this system that is not run by God. God is in charge of everything. Devil doesn't get to do anything that is not approved of by God. Go read the book of Job. You don't believe me. It's all God's. It's God's world. But who's controlling this system that this world is run by? It's Satan. This is his kingdom right here, but only for a short period of time. That's what we're learning about in Revelation. Last week, man, in, in both Tuesday or both in Wednesday night, man, we learned where all of heaven was rejoicing with the last, the last judgments because now he was taking it over again. It was going to be perfect and it was going to be that way forever, which is a good thing. So this system, let me ask you a question. How many governments do you know in this world right now that follow Christ? No. How many, how many, how many governments are, are actually doing things that Christ has said to do? There are biblical governments. There are none. This is not God's system right here. And in fact, we're, we're not citizens of this world, are we? You're not a citizen. Where are you a citizen of, Zane? Heaven. That's the system, right? That's God's right there. So we're running against this world system that we have. We're running against the enemy, Satan, that's trying to trip us up. We're running against this world system. How many of y'all have any conflicts with this world system the more you try to live for Christ? Do you not have conflicts? Are you not running up against roadblocks? Oh, in order to succeed, I've got to do it this way. And this is not the way God wants me to do it. You ever encounter that, Chris? All the time. If you're living for Christ, you're against this system that this world is run by. We're not taught to compromise in it. We're pilgrims. We're trying to show this world the system, the right system. So one enemy we're running against is Satan. Another one is this system. But who is our worst enemy who doesn't get enough credit for messing us up? Everybody take your thumbs and put them up like this and then point them right in and say self. All right, one more time. Come on, I want you all to get this. Put your thumbs up and point them and say, self. <laughs> that's, my, that's you. That's your flesh. We're running against this world, Satan. We're running against this world system. But our greatest enemy <coughs> is ourself. Anybody agree with that? Anybody ever have problems with yourself? You know what God wants you to do. You know what you're supposed to be chasing. You know what you're supposed to be desiring. But you know inside what you really are chasing and what you desire. And so, again... That's our enemy. That's who we're running against. When he talks about running in competition and winning the race and getting 
uh, getting the award. He's not talking about against others, against anything else. He's saying, man, he wants you to choose him out of love. And he wants one day to be able to say, man, awesome, well done, good and faithful servant. Anybody here want to hear that? Is that not going to be an awesome thing to hear from him? That's what we're, man, we, I, I want to please the one who saved me. I want to please the one who loves me. That's all I live for is to try to please him. There's times where I know that my sinful self, there's things I want to do. And everything in me wants to do them. And I just tell God, I said, God, I wish I could say I had no desire for this right now, but I want to do this. The only reason I'm not doing it is because I love you. And the more I do that, the more he changes my inside to really despise those things, to really avoid those things. But it's a process. I'm not going to tell you I don't have desires for wrong things. And you'd be lying to me if you did. <laughs> because we're all there. Whichever nature we feed, that's the one we're going to be like. When you're born again, you've got a brand new nature. You're a new creation in Christ that is meant to be an ambassador for him. And when you're not being an ambassador for him, you're satisfying yourself or feeding the flesh. And whichever one we feed, that's the one we're going to look like. So today, after reading Hebrews 12, what God showed me, there were numerous mornings I did not surf. I was telling Gary, he's like, don't you get waves? <coughs> I've made almost every excuse in the world for not going and surfing. I, I looked in the afternoon and stuff, it's closing out, whatever, all these things, but... I'm just going to tell you the honest truth right now. I am at a season in my life. I used to surf every morning. I used to get up at dawn patrol. And the first thing I wanted to do was get to the beach and paddle out, have my time with God, and I'd surf, and then do all my other stuff. But I'm at a season in life for about almost the last year where I can't pry myself away from God's word. I'm just telling you that's where I'm at right now, and that was one of my prayers. God, let me wake up. Let me go to bed at night desiring, cannot being able to wait for what you're going to show me the next morning. And literally, I'm at a season. I'm praising God for that season. It's not anything I mustered up. I, I hope this season lasts forever. But, man, I want to get up and see what God's word says. And by the time I'm done studying this, in this, this, what we're reading here, to affect me first and then be able to preach it to you. Man, and being able to think about it all day, it's just like, by time, next thing I know, it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, man. And Ashley's like, hey, you need to surf. There's good waves here. I go out to the beach, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, they're closing out. I got this thing to do, this thing to do. And so I do need to surf some more, obviously. But, dude, I love God's word. And this week, every morning waking up and looking at this, I wanted God to show me what he wanted me to show you. What he wanted to show me first, but to show you. And, and in the title is really the main point of it all is that we are all as believers. Once you give your life to Christ, we are all ca called to run our race, not someone else's race. Just like the lawn, just like the, the green lawn. We're not, all supposed, we're not all supposed to be running the same race. We have different races. You, you guys, man, has your, your race changed in the last six or seven months, right? How long y'all been here now? Seven months, has your race changed? When you first came, you're like, yeah, we live in Houston, we live in Boston, we live in here, we're just, you know, shh. dude, where you live now? Florida. Dude, y'all live here, man. And you even said it right, Florida, man. Yeah, yeah so, so you live here now, your race has changed. Roger, your race changed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leslie, your race changed? You 
started working at Publix. That's a different race than working at Missionary Flight. You're working with Zane now, as opposed to where you were at. You guys have changed churches. You've changed a lot of things. He might not have a job after Brian. I'm just joking, bro. <laughs> you pray for him. You pray for Zane and Roger, because God's given him, at the company he works for, has given him a desire to share God's. God's given him God's plan for that company, which Zane has, some, has authority in. And Zane's going to share God's plan. Pray he has the wisdom to share it and, and the way it needs to be received. Man, we have no idea. Hey, y'all's life has changed, right? Our races keep changing. Yeah, you don't have anything to do but go scuba diving or paddleboard and all that. <laughs> Slaving away at home now. You're like, <laughs> so what I'm saying is our races are always changing, aren't they? Hey, Susie and Milton, your race changed when that uh, hot water heater broke open? Yeah, new race to run. How do you get your house remodeled and still be a Christian and not lose your testimony, right? <laughs> yeah, how's that? That's hard, isn't it? And you've had to run. You guys, you, man, you were in the race where you were living in a condo cramp. Then you were building a house. That was a different race. Now you're in the house, and it's like, oh, you know. Now you've got 5,000 people at your house on Wednesdays because the youth are there and the adults are there. I mean, our races are always changing. And what God wants us to do is run the race that he's given us for him. He's given us all different races. He, and it's interesting. Run the race. Run your race. Don't run somebody else's. So in order to know what your race is, Destiny, who you got to be talking to? Him. Exactly. If all you're doing is looking around saying, hmm, what are all the other Christians running? What race are they in? Dude, there's multiple races. And you have got one specifically designed for you right now at this point in time. Run your race, not someone else's. That's what God's plan is. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I picked the ESV translation in this. I like the way it read right there. Um, and it's very accurate on us. So Given back, going back to chapter 11, where we looked at all these quote-unquote heroes of faith, all these different people. We spent going, going through Hebrews 11 for all summer long, right? Zane eloquently finished it. I don't even know. I'm so, you, you, were, you did a great job of preaching that last part. I didn't know how we were even going to cover. Bam, 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 bam. You did a great job in covering that. But what was one thing that Zane brought up about the calling of each of those people? They were all what? They were, they were all different. Everybody had a different call. They had a call. They just had a call to be obedient to what God wanted. One was rescuing Israelites. Another one was slaying, slaying giants. Another one was conquering a city. Another one was, you know, there were, it was all different races, all different things they were called to do. So in light of that, since they all followed God and did what they were called while they were on this planet for this little bit of time, What's that? Therefore. Therefore. Yeah. Since we have, look what it says, since we are surrounded. That's what he means. He'd go back to chapter 11 and we are surrounded by these people who have all followed God in a very unique calling, in a very unique race. A very different, every one of them had a different setting, a different time period. It was all different, but the common denominator was they desired to please God and by faith, they did what they believed they were called to do, and God used it. They knew they were a little teeny piece of something way bigger than them. He said, so since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, let me tell you what this is not. What this is not 
is us sitting in a football field and all of these guys are in the stadium cheering us on, okay? So I've heard that so many, that is not what this is talking about. Because, let me ask you, hey, Seth, if this was all the great men and women of faith all church, Moses going, get them, Seth, go get them, would that, be, would that help you or hurt you? For, for me, it would paralyze me, dude. Moses going, oh, he blew it again, you know. <laughs> dude, you mean, Joshua, you remember when we did that, man? You know, look, they blew it. That's what we do in Old Testament. We're saying, how could they keep blowing it that way? It's not any competition that way. It's not a stadium. What this cloud means in the scripture is it's a bunch of people. And we're surrounded by a bunch of people who are witnesses. What is a witness? You, somebody's seen something, right? And what do they? And they testify that what they saw, they told somebody else what they saw, what they experienced. That's what a witness is. And that's what we're called to be, right, Jack? We're not lawyers. We're witnesses. And a witness, you ever witness anything out in the woods? Yeah. You know, you witness and you go tell your buddies, dude, there's a big buck sitting out there. And, we're gonna get, and you're making all your plans to get that big buck, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> only Des Oh, you need to tell Destiny because she might shoot it in front of you. Well, she's not going to do that. Yeah, that'd be embarrassing if she got that 12 point and you didn't. But, <laughs> but a witness experiences something and then testifies and says, this is what went down. And so we are surrounded from all generations by testimonies of witnesses that says, man, whatever weird calling you have, follow it. Whatever weird situation God's put you in because he didn't call you to be a lawn, whatever weird race he's put you in, that's your race right now. Go for it. I gave you this. I gave you this situation in your life that's impossible that you can't do on your own so that when you do it, it takes faith to make it happen. And when everybody asks, how did it happen? You're going to have to say, God, do you understand? That's why he keeps putting you in these weird races, these weird situations. How many of y'all been put in a weird situation in the last day, the last two days, last three days, last week? Yes, every one of us. Terry, you had a pretty weird day yesterday. Yeah, who orchestrated that? You're like, oh, dude, that was my dad's lack of maintenance in a rusty trailer. No, it was God. <laughs> he made your dad that way. No, I'm just saying. God put you in that situation where that axle broke to see what you were going to do with it all. Because it's for your good and his glory. No matter what weird situation, he said, none of y'all had it as weird as these guys. And what we're going to see next week is none of us had it as weird as Jesus. He's the one we really look to. So he says, therefore... Since we're surrounded by people who can testify that following God is the right thing to do, look what he says. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I want you to ask, I'm going to give you four questions to ask yourself. And for my Creole team, hopefully you'll be able to put these questions in Creole, all right? <laughs> in a few weeks, all right? So the first question, everybody ask yourself this question right now. Just, just ask yourself this question. Say, what race am I running? Okay, good. Thank you, all three of you. Here we go. One more time. What race? Seriously, this is a good question to ask yourselves. How many of y'all, dude, could you imagine being in the Olympics and being signed up for the, for the, the you know, marathon thing or whatever? What do they call it? You know, the long, dis a long distance race, and all of a sudden you find yourself with a bunch of sprinters? You know? I mean, it's important to be found in the right race. And you got to, and again, we've got to run the race God's given us, not the race everybody else is in, because everybody's got a different race. 
And if everybody's in the same race, it's the wrong race. <laughs> we got to be in the race God's in. So ask yourself. This is something to ask yourself every morning. What race am I in? What race am I running? Ask God, what are my motivations today? What is it that I'm, what is that I'm, what I'm pressing hard against? Is it against Satan? Is it against this world system? Is it against crucifying the flesh? How many times did Paul say, how often did Paul say we had to crucify the flesh? <laughs> yeah, daily. I'm glad it's just once a day. No. How many all like me, I have to crucify the flesh more than once a day? Constantly the flesh wants this, and we're like, no, this is not what God wants. I'm crucifying it. Crucifying it. <laughs> I must be getting hungry. <laughs> so seriously, what race am I running? That's what he's asking for. You know, that's what he wants us to ask ourselves. What race? Because we're going to chase something. You know when you get off at a church right here, you're going to chase something. Yeah. You know, you, you may be thinking, dude, maybe, oh, Pastor Eddie's preaching. Man, he's going to be way longer than Zane. And what restaurant can we beat everybody else now? <laughs> it's like, dude, one verse, man, just one verse today. That's it. So ask yourself, what race am I running? We're all going to run a race when we wake up tomorrow. We're all going to chase something. Man, we've got to be chasing Christ. We've got to be chasing holiness. We got to be chasing his kingdom. Matthew 6, 33. Y'all know I like that verse, right? Yeah. Seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything you need will be added unto you. So, man, if I get any other answer from God than his kingdom, man, I'm running the wrong race. So I got to ask God, what race am I running? And so look at this first part again. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we already cleared that up. We've, we're surrounded by a bunch of people that, are, that, that already have testified that what God, following God is right. Running the race for him against our flesh, against this system and against Satan. He said, since we already know that works, he goes and tells us in the end of this passage, run with endurance, which we'll talk about next week exclusively. But look what he says. Repeat this with me. Everybody read this. The race that is set before Sharla. We're all supposed to follow Sharla's race. Is that what he said? How about Seth's race? Seth's a good preacher. Zane, follow Zane's race? Whose race are we supposed to follow? The one set before me. Yeah. Do you notice that? We're supposed to run the race he set before us. And in case, again, you think your race is weird, go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and see how weird each of those guys' races were. Enoch, at a time when God was fixing to just wipe everything out because of a flood, because everything was so messed up, everybody hated God and was totally against his system, that, guy, that man walked for God, even if he was the only one, and then God just was so pleased he took him up. He didn't even die. That's a weird race. Yeah. Every one of them are weird races. You think your race is weird. This hasn't happened to anyone except me. Bill Neal. No. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested above that you're able. But with the temptation, he will make a way to escape. He will make a way to escape. There's one way to escape, one way to make it through the whole thing, and that's by following him. Running the race he set for you. So again, what's the question again, Roger? What's the first question you're going to ask yourself tomorrow morning, man? Not besides where's the conflict. The first question you're supposed to ask according to this message is, what race That's important. Anybody ever run the wrong race for one day? Yeah. But it don't usually last one day, does it? 
because we're just figuring it out that one day. And then, and then, and then we're, we're getting better at running the wrong race, running the wrong race. And then after a while, we're like, dude, I was running the wrong race. And it accomplishes nothing. Well, it doesn't make things better, that's for sure. So the wrong race. So he says, man, ask yourself, what race am I running? The race that is set before me. What's the next question on this? We're going to run the, run the race. You guys are runners, man. I'm so glad, man. Anna and Rich and uh, Anna and Rich, man, y'all are here now, right? Permanent, right? Yeah, dude. Rich and Anna, bro. I was just, you can get clapped better than that. Come on, man. We don't want to clap, man. I always, yeah. This is Rich and Anna, bro. And they, uh, yeah, just moved here last year. God put in their heart. They, their, their house is to their kids. They've just, uh, they've moved here. You're here for good now. Are you scared, Rich? Uh, it's, yeah. Is it weird? Yeah, all right. Yeah. And, and they're runners, too. That's how I met you guys last time. I had some running illustrations. So I'm so glad you guys are here. I would have kind of had you guys dress up if I didn't know both of y'all were going to be here like runners and be illustrations. But since I don't have that, I, I've gone a different way with the race today. So once we know that we're in the right race, what we've got to do now, since we're in the race, figure out what slows us down. Ana, you run competitively. Both of y'all run competitively. How many of y'all run competitively? Anybody here run? I, I, even if Tom did, did, he wouldn't raise his hand. Tom, you ever run competitively? You do everything competitively. What are you talking about? So when you run competitively, Debbie, you run competitively? All right, cool. Hey, when you do that, do you try to figure out what slowed you down in a race and try to figure out what you can trim, what you can fix, how you can you know, be more efficient in, 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 in being able to run the race better, right? I mean, that's a common thing, right? All right, see, I'm not a runner, dude. I, I, don't, I can't think about, when you guys are running, I don't even know what to do with my thumbs, literally. I'm thinking, what do I do with my thumbs? And I'm like totally distracted from even running. I just don't have the mind for that. Baseball was good for me. It was a sprint. All I got to do is get to the next base. All right, so we got to figure out what slows us down. So here's the race for the sake of illustration that I want to present to you guys today. The race that God, let's just say, has put me in for the sake of illustration is swimming against the current and against the wind from one boat to another boat, okay? Anybody here ever swim against the current of society? You ever swim against the winds of change? The winds of, yeah, dude, we're swimming against it all the time. So that's the goal, what God has given me now. As for a sake of illustration, is swimming from one boat to the next boat. Terry, can you help me out, man? Come up here, man. Come up here, man. So, so uh, you had to ask first? You wouldn't just carte blanche help me? You don't trust me by now? No. You don't trust me now. All right, so... Uh, so here we are. I'm, I'm going to swim against the current of time. Oh, I can't reach that, man. You want to put that up? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. He's a more survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so first thing I think I'm going to do is I'm going to put some booties on. All right? Everybody needs some booty, right? And uh, got to put, put some of those on. And I'm thinking, what do you think, guys? You think fins are going to help me out? Um, fins will help me swimming against the current, so, man, I'm going to put some fins on. Do you like those new springs, Terry? I do. I know. I'm going to get you a pair one day. All right, so here we go. We got fins on. All right, so that's good, right? Um, what else? Hey, Terry, can you help me with that tank in BC? That's, that's kind of really what I want you to sort of help me with here. There we go. So swimming against the current. Ugh, that's a bad shoulder right there. Okay. So go ahead and lift that up a little bit. There we go. All right. All right. We're good, I think, now. 
Okay, you can sit down now, bro. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so this ought to probably help me swim against the current, right? All this right here. Oh, wait, wait, Terry. I need your help. I'm sorry, bro. And uh, I got a couple other things. Okay, so I'm swimming against the current, and do uh, you see my other? Uh, it's tucked back in there, isn't it? Man, what would I do without you? This is what he helps me with on the boat. He says I'm like a prom queen trying to get dressed for uh, <laughs> He's already ready, and I'm like, good. And, uh, okay, so I need a mask, all right? All right, so, you know, I'll get the mask on later. By the way, Mike, this is not how you wear the mask when you're walking around because it flies off your head. So I wish you could put the mask right here. And, okay, reach around and make sure my BC is all good. Okay, all right, so I got enough. Dude, I, I'm pretty good. You think I can swim against the current this way? It, it, uh, yeah, dude, I'm down there. I've got all of this right here. But just in case, okay, I may need some accessories, some effects. Uh, Terry, can you hear me like that reel for a second? All right, this reel, this in case maybe we get in a complicated situation and I need to like kind of be able to shoot a line and know where I'm going or uh, I have a safety sausage that we're going to have to kind of do. So I got the reel. Oh, hey, in case we catch some lobster. All right. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm, along the way I'm going to get hungry, right? And in case Terry needs a haircut, no, I'm just like, in case we get some lionfish, we can cut their spines off, all right? And uh, so, so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, this bag, it won't take up much, will it? And so let's, let's go ahead and clip this bag on right here. All right, I, I got this part, I think. This is what I'm doing underwater right here. All right, I got that bag. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm still nice and trim and lean. I'm, 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 that's going to slow me down, right? Oh, hey, uh, to get those lobster, I need that tickle stick, man, the big Fort Pierce tickle stick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this jack is a Fort Pierce tickle stick right here, bro. And uh, all right, so let me clip that bad boy on. All right. All right. Clipping that one on right there. And uh, um, yeah, net. You got to have a net because when you tickle them out, you can't catch them with your hand. You got to stick a net down there. Okay, and uh, surely have a, a place to do that. All right. I got that. Dude, I do this underwater, this man. This like getting ready to get in the water, too. All right. All right. And, oh, hey, uh, how about a lionfish spear right here? Uh, lionfish spear, you know, this would be good. We'd see some lionfish. Anybody like eating lionfish? Boom. And so. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I'll just stick that one on kind of, kind of right here. And uh, we'll go there. Oh, uh, th this is, now this is not a tickle stick. Okay. And this is, this is called a snare. All right, and so what we use this for is, uh, you know, you, after you tickle the lobster out, you get that around the back of their tail, and then now you snare them. Uh, I'm going to need one of those. Along the way, you think I need one, right? Yeah. I mean, after all, my goal is to do what? Is to jump out of one boat and do what, Chris? Get and get to the other boat. Okay, that's my goal. I have one goal, one purpose, to get out of the boat and get to the next boat. But along the way, just in case. Dude, I am ready for lobster. I am ready for lionfish. Ready for bull sharks. I am. I'm ready. I got a place to put them. I got. I can give Terry a haircut. I can do. Uh, uh, here we go. All right, hang. Let me put this one back on. Oh, and just in case, all right. So just in case we come against anything, I, I got a spear gun. All right, in case we see some fish. Um, I do have more stuff in here, but I think this makes a point, right? Does this make a point? Does <laughs> this look like your life? At, does, this, does this look like the church? <laughs> yeah, dude, there's knives we can strap to legs. There's, there's safety sausages, dude. We got twice as much gear to put on if we wanted to put that on. But again, I'm called to do what, Seth? Jump out of one boat and do what? 
and go to the next boat against the current, against the wind. How many think that's a formidable enough thing to do? But guess what? I've got all these different things just in case I run into something more interesting while I'm down there. But according to the scripture, what is the second question that we need to ask us? What, what? What slows me down? Do you guys think I have anything that's going to slow me down? Yes. <laughs> I mean, literally, have you ever seen me like in dragging this over a reef right here? You know, now you know why I'm not like getting those lobster when you're tickling them out on the other side. I'm trying to untangle all this junk off the reef. But, it's, but the main thing is it's doing what? It's what's, what's it doing, Seth, uh, Zane? It, it's slowing me down. I wonder in our life how many things we have that are slowing us down. And while I'm undressing, I want you to think about that. <laughs> Throw that one right there. And uh, yeah, we'll take that whole bag of things right there. And uh, all of that right there. And uh, thank you so much, Terry. Oh. oh, my goodness. You know what? I think all I really need to jump out of the boat and go from one boat to the other against the current is what? Maybe this right here, maybe a snorkel, but I don't need all that other baggage. I don't know who that was for, man, other than me. But I know that as I was preparing this message, as I was praying, as I was doing this, God's like, yeah, I want you to like dress up like this in church. And I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yes. And you're like, that's not too far from you. But I'm like, I know, but I'm trying to be a little more professional these days. No. <laughs> No, I'm really not. <laughs> so, but, but literally, I think somebody needed to see that image. Because later today when you're praying, later today when you're asking the Holy Spirit to show you what's going on in your life, when you ask yourself tomorrow morning and say, what race am I running? I think what's going to happen is I think you're going to next find, you're going to find out the race you're running, which by the way, as a church, what is our one job? It's to make what? Disciples. That's right. To make disciples, to be a witness. He said in Acts 1.8, he said, when you receive power, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're receiving it to be, to, uh, to what? Help me out, Seth. You got that verse down? Oh, come on, man. Neither do I. You're supposed to bail me out. No. He said, when you receive power, it's to become a witness here, there, and everywhere. A witness is somebody who can testify that what God asked you to do is doable through his power and his presence and his perspective. And, and now you receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to pull that off. And you can now tell them, like everybody in chapter 11, and, and even Jesus, we're going to learn next week, that whatever God asked me to do through his power, his perspective, and his presence, I can do it. And so, again... I think this illustration was for somebody because I know this is what I was supposed to do. I had to drag all this stuff out of the house. I had to drag it up. I'm going to drag it back home. I'm going to put it away. And it was kind of fun dressing up. But the thing is, it was for somebody because tomorrow when you ask God, what race am I running? And he says, now, you've been running the wrong race. I want you to run my race. And you say, I'm going to run, my, I'm going to run your race. But wait a minute, God. I got things that are holding me back from running your race. And I think he's going to start revealing to you some of the unnecessary effects that you may have strapped on and you're going to find that his race is maybe much more simple I'm not saying anything against material possessions I'm not saying anything against fun anything along those lines but whatever he gives us whatever we have is supposed to help us run the race for him 
and be a witness for him. So what race am I running? What is slowing me down? Look at this. Look at this in this verse, this part. He said in, in verse 1, he said, let us also lay aside every weight. That's what he said. If you're going to run my race, I want you to win. I want you to run it efficiently. So lay aside. If, if, you're, if you're going for lobster, don't bring the spear gun. Well, not always. We might go in deeper water. But that's what I look like when I jump in with Terry because he's like prepared for everything, right? We're good. Yeah, we, we got it. But, but literally, that's when we're just going out hunting. If our job was just to run against the current from one boat to the next, we would be very streamlined. In fact, next week, I got a surprise for you. No. <laughs> Terry's going to be in his wetsuit. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Seriously, look what he says. He says, you're going to run the race, man. He said, lay aside every weight. Okay? Lay aside every weight that's going to slow you down. Isn't that what every runner does, every person? When I first preached this as a young man, Seth, um, I was out in Webster. It's my first pastor. That's an hour west of Orlando. And Webster, anybody know where Webster, Florida is? Anybody ever been to Webster, Florida? It's an hour west of Orlando, and all they have is a giant flea market on Mondays and one of the largest cattle sales on Tuesday. This flea market, you literally have to go three or four or five times to be able to see it all. It's kind of a cool trip if you like that stuff. But it's a country place, dude, and, 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 and it's awesome. Man, uh, they taught me how to speak country out there. They, the old ladies, when I first got there, used to laugh at me because I was from Orlando, and they're like, listen to that city boy talk. <laughs> and uh, they'd make fun of me. Remember that, honey? And... But out, of, out there at Webster, first time, I'm on a Saturday, and I got a bunch of guys from the church all over my house. For what reason? I don't really know. I lived in a parsonage, so they felt necessary to check on it all the time. And so they were over at my house seeing, making sure I wasn't messing it up. And I'll never forget these people who ride bikes. Who rides bikes? Anybody, any bike? Any of you like competitive bike riders? Y'all wear all that weird stuff. You know, you got padded pants. <laughs> yeah, because you got a seat that's like this. Dude, if you get a padded seat, you fix all that. Why, why do you wear? But, but here's, here's the point. Dude, these guys, anybody else now that was like, dude, I am not admitting I ride the bike. <laughs> but literally, so you know what I'm talking about. And if you go down Indian River Drive, when it gets cooler, you'll see many of them. But these guys in Webster have never seen people in bike garb. And, and literally, it might as well have been Martians, aliens, because these guys, dude, Wranglers, boots, you know, I mean, for working out on the farm and working out in the field, cowboy hat. And all of a sudden, about 20 guys come by on these little bikes with tires this thin, you know. They've got special shoes. They've got these streamlined little outfits. They even have, y'all got fancy helmets? They got these fancy aerodynamic helmets and little like, man, literally, I'll never forget this one dude, Marvin, going, what in the heck is that? <laughs> literally, boom, boom, boom. And I'll never, they were so amazed at these people and what they were wearing. Hey, why were they wearing those kind of clothes? What was the purpose? What's the purpose of that? You guys tell us firsthand so we're not guessing. Why do you wear those clothes? Because they make you look hot, right? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> For what? Comfort. And, and do they make you aerodynamic? Why, won't you, why don't you wear some big baggy jeans while you're doing it? It would slow you down. You're looking for everything that's going to make it comfortable and streamlined to the race that you were called to. And so, again, I wonder how many of us are trying to run the Christian race and, and we've got some kind of lead suit on. <laughs> You know, a lead, lead helmet we should be wearing at the power plant, you know. And we're wondering why we're not making any progress. 
I want you to ask God these questions. Today's not a, a day to solve the to give you the answers necessarily, but to have you ask the questions. The first question you ask in the morning tomorrow is what? Help me out. What race am I running? Okay, the second question is what? And then the third question we haven't got to is what? Yeah. Okay, so what slows me down? But we also then look at the stuff that's going to make us stop. Check this out. He says, not only get rid of, uh, he said, not only lay aside every weight, but he says also, and the sin which clings so closely. Who has another translation of the Bible? What does yours say? Especially. Especially. What else you got? A snare. A trap. Uh, uh, it clings to me. It, uh, uh, the New King James, I think, says tangles me, right? Entangles me, entangles me, ensnares me. You get the idea that basically as I'm diving out here and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm going, I got all this to slow me down. But, dude, imagine now that I go poking around someplace I shouldn't be poking and all of a sudden a big moray elk <laughs> gets me right in the face. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's going to stop me pretty much for right now, at least till I get it off. So he said, what are the moray or an octopus? When I first saw this word cling, I'm thinking you're down there and all of a sudden, man, can you imagine this mammoth octopus? You're down there taking pictures with your GoPro and this octopus just swallows you and you feel its beak cutting through your skull. That would slow you down, right? That would stop you. So he's talking about the sin. You've got some things in your life. Am I discouraging you from diving? I'm trying to get him not to buy a new mask now that I talked him into it, right? Okay, so, so again, what race am I running? Hey, what things are slowing me down, but more importantly now, you got stuff slowing you down. Hey, let me ask you a question. Which one of those pieces of gear were, were horrible? They, they're not necessary. They're bad things that divers shouldn't wear. Were there anything, was there anything there inherently bad? No. It's all got a purpose. It's all good, but was it all necessary? No, and that's the first part. That's what slows you down. Things that aren't necessarily bad. Ooh, there's nothing wrong with this. Well, instead of asking what's wrong with something, we should probably ask what's right with it. What's going to help us win this race for Christ? What's going to not slow me down? But then he goes on and says the sin. Is there anything inherently bad with a sin? Yeah. Dude, nobody in here does this, but I heard that there are guys that take these spear guns, and, you know, it's illegal to to spear a snook or any game fish. But there are times a year, nobody in here does this, I promise you, okay? So FWC, you're watching, we got no involvement here. I just heard this, that since it's illegal to spear a snook or a lobster or, or certain things, you know what I hear some unscrupulous people do? And that is not us, I promise you, I'm not even joking, it's not us. They take golf balls and they'll drill a hole in the golf ball and stick it on the end. You ever heard of that, Jack? But you never did it, right? Good, yeah, never did it. And, and they go down, and there'll be snooks spawning down on the reefs and stuff, and they're everywhere, and you're like, oh, my goodness. And so what they do is they take it, and they'll hit them, and they'll spear them, and hit them with a golf ball and knock them out so there's no hole in them. But now they're pretty much dead, and they're like, oh, look, I caught that on a line. Let me ask you a question. Is that right or wrong? Uh-huh. It's wrong. That's unlike this stuff that's slowing me down. There's stuff that slows me down, but there's stuff in my life that's just flat out wrong. Yeah. It's called sin. And he says, man, don't just get rid of the stuff that's slowing you down. He said, what I want you to do, man, also, is if you've got something wrong, sin is wrong, stuff that's stopping you. Because, look, here it is. God's here, and I'm walking this way, 
uh, towards God, but all of a sudden, man, I start walking away from God. What's the word that we use in Scripture to turn around and walk back to Him? Repent. repent. That's exactly what repent means. It means I'm walking away from God and I need to turn back to Him. So the point is, is if I'm swimming a race towards God and for God and I'm doing the wrong thing, I'm going the wrong way. I'm not, I don't need to just stop. I need to turn around and go the right way because I'm going backwards. So he said, man, the sin which clings to you, you understand? There's stuff slowing you down that you have that you don't need, whatever. I'm not just talking about material possession. I'm talking about thoughts. I'm talking about just all kinds of things. You ask God what is slowing you down. But if it's sin, I want you to understand, that's stopping you. It's entangling you. It's clinging to you. It's not only making you stop, it's making you go the wrong way. How can you run the race if you're going the wrong way? Dude, you're not being very successful in running if you're going the wrong way. So when God says there's sin in our life, man, how, how soon should we repent? Immediately. You can tell your maturity as a believer by the amount of time it takes for you to be convicted and how long it takes you to, re how long it takes you to repent. The time that you receive conviction to the time that you, can, that, that, that you repent. And you accept it and say, no, I'm wrong. You're right, God. That's how you can tell your maturity. If it takes a long time for God to kind of draw it out, draw it out, draw it out, and you're finally like, okay, I can't handle the consequences. Now I'm going your way. That's good. But maturity is as soon as God tells you it's wrong, repent, turn. Start heading back to him. That's where your safety is. So he says, man, get what, what's the first question again? What race am I running? Second question when he tells you that is what? What slows me down? Third question is? And then the fourth question that we're going to look at, and we're going to look in great detail next week, is, help me out. Yeah. What motivates me? You know, have you ever just not been motivated? <laughs> you ever just not felt like doing it? Yeah. Yeah. But you're glad you came now, man. And next week when you see Terry in a wetsuit front, no, I'm just <laughs> See, I just build up expectations now, man. The mankini? Oh, no. We're not going to. I have just. <laughs> All right. All right. So what gives me energy? What gives me motivation? What makes me go? And so look what he goes on. He says, let us run with, what's this word? Endurance. Endurance. So somewhere. We've got to find some endurance. Somewhere we've got to find some endurance. And um, as a runner, hey, uh, why don't you quit? Have you ever run? You've run long races, haven't you? In fact, when I first met my wife, that's what she did. She ran a little mini marathon. She said, look, I'd make her stand, but she wouldn't. But she's got legs this tall, and I got legs like this tall. And, and when I first met her, she, I, I love her. I still I love her more now than I did then. But, dude, I was trying to impress her, man. And she would run at 4 or 5 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love running. You know? <laughs> and, and I love running. I'm a runner, too. You know, I didn't tell her I was a sprinter, but I'm just trying to, like, impress her. And she takes off. Can I run with you at 4 in the morning around Lake Eola in Orlando? Yeah, man, that'd be, I'll meet you. Yeah. And, dude, she's taking strides. I'm taking five strides for every one of hers. I'm dying in all of this. You know? And, and, and my endurance was... I'd always ask her, how, how long are we going to run for? <laughs> and what was I waiting for? What was I waiting for? Yeah. The end. I could make it if I knew there was an end. And that's what messes me up with you long-distance people. In baseball, there was an end. There was first base, second base. I'm done. 
Or third, second base and third base, home. There's only four. You don't just keep running around. And, and, but I would ask her, hey, when are we going to quit? Oh, yeah, well, i got to go to work at this time. Oh, good. And I could make it. Dude, I'm running. Here's me, and here's her. Ooh, ooh. And I'm, I'm, I'm Elmer Fudd, <laughs> you know? But what kept me going is I knew there was an end to it. Have you ever been involved in something where you just don't think there's an end? And you're just like, when is this going to end? Where do you find the endurance for that? And what Christ tells us is there's an end. Next week, here's what the re- that verse 2 says, man. Here's what's supposed to give us endurance. Looking to the one who started the race and is going to end the race, who's the perfecter of the race. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. And out of all the great examples we have in, Ro- in, in Hebrews chapter 11, he's the best example. And look at what he did. And look how he lives inside you and is going to empower you. But just like them, they knew there was a better place. They knew they were one little piece of something way bigger than them. And their job was to just keep running. Just keep running. They knew the race didn't last forever. How did Elijah, okay, Santa, you remember? In, uh, and do and you, you remember in our, in our small group Bible study, Elijah? You remember when Elijah, after he, killed, he blew up all the cows, right? You do remember that story now, right? He blew up all the cows, and then at the end, he's like, he's like all on fire for God. And then next chapter, what do we find him doing? He's running from who? Jezebel. And he goes and hides, God says, and he's like, he finally prays, right? And what was his prayer? Do you remember? Yeah, God, let me die. <laughs> I don't have anything left in me. Let me die. And God said, okay, I got three more jobs, and then you get to die. And that's kind of the way it worked, you know. But there's an end. God knows when to rest you, knows when to test you. And when we die as believers, where do we go, Linda? Is that not going to be awesome? Are you going to want to come back? No, I want to eat a Conky Joe's one more time. No, dude, no. There's nothing that we're going to want to come back here and do. Paul, that's why Paul, his motivation, he said, for me to live is what? Christ. And he said to die is what? Yeah, or a better translation, for me to die is better. Again, man, give God everything you have like it's a race. Fighting Satan, fighting the system, fighting yourself, walking with God, seeking first, seeking only, seeking always the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything you need in this minuscule little life you're in will be added to you during this time. But when it's over, and who gets to decide when your life's over? God does. And when it's over as a believer, where do you go? Heaven. And it's going to, how long going to be there? Forever. Forever. Not a bad gig. But the only way we're going to truly make it through this life successfully is to treat it like that race. Get rid, what, make sure you're running the right race. Wouldn't that be horrible? You sign up for some marathon, you guys, and you just take off with a group of people and you win. <laughs> and they're like, what do you? Oh, that wasn't a race. We were, we were practicing. It's like, what? I just, as you're puking your guts out, I, I, why do you guys always do that at the end of your races? I'm just messing with you. But seriously, you run like crazy through the whole race and find out in the wrong way. So ask God, what race am I running today? What race have I been running? What race am I running? Make sure you run in the right race. And in that race, second question is again, ask God while I'm in this race, what, what's slowing me down? The next question is what? stopping me and there's sin in your life that he's wanting you to get rid of that's stopping you and making you go backwards 
And then ask yourself, where am I getting my motivation from? And make sure your motivation is coming from God. Hey, that word, anybody ever have enthusiasm? Hey, Terry, when you have enthusiasm, what happens? You're the most enthusiastic guy I know back there. No, I'm just messing with you. Terry, enthusiasm. You have enthusiasm, man? Like, I know you have enthusiasm. Your wife has enthusiasm to get rid of to get rid of all of those pine tree and pepper tree roots in your backyard. She has enthusiasm. You're just doing it because you love her. It's kind of like me running with my wife type thing. Yeah. Enthusiasm. Isn't that what gets you through? Yeah. That enthusiasm. And you know what? Enthusiasm in theos. Hey, what does theos mean? God. In God. That's enthusiasm <laughs> in God. When you're walking with God, when you know you've got a purpose, when you know you're doing what he wants you to be doing, when you know he's empowering you, he's giving you enthusiasm. He's giving you endurance. And again, next week we're going to learn more. But when you ask that question, make sure your motivation is not money. Make sure it's not some possession. Make sure it's not some prestige, some position. Make sure that the reason you're running the race is for him. If you seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. And his righteousness, everything's added unto you. You don't say anything about seeking first your kingdom or somebody else's kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything you need will be added unto you. Let that be where you get your endurance from. Knowing you're doing what he wants you to do. Okay. So here's the deal. If you're a born-again believer, this hall is so good for you. But if you've never given your life to Christ, if you are not sure when you die you're going to heaven, um, you know you're going to be running the wrong race because you've got no one guiding you. Not, you don't even have a race. you just got this human race. That's it. And when it's done, it's done. You know? And you ain't seeing no hearse following a U-Haul following a hearse, right? You know? It's like it's done. That's it. For now, here, you got all kinds of things slowing you down, you know, because you, got, you don't have a great God empowering you. you. You don't have a godly purpose. And sin, sin is the norm in life. So you're going to be going backwards. And you better come up with your own endurance. But if God's brought you here today and given you a desire to follow him, I want you to understand that desire comes from him. You could be coming to church for years and years and years, and this could be speaking to you right now. There's a lot of people running the church race, running the Christian race, but doing it in their flesh, never having surrendered themselves to Christ. That's why it's important you start asking yourself, what race am I running? And make sure you're running his race for him. And you're not just using religion as some positive way to be more successful at your human race. Because there's plenty of people that do that. In fact, Matthew 7, he talks about it. He talks about at the end, he's separating people. And, and as he's separating people, there's a bunch of church people all saying, dude, you put me in the wrong line, the wrong line. Didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I prophesy? Didn't I sing? Didn't I, didn't I, didn't I? And he said, yes, you did do all those things, but you and I never had an intimate relationship. And they're gone. So what it comes down to is you surrendering everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him at some point, just surrendering and giving it to him. And tell him, I believe with everything in me, as best I can, that what you, Jesus, did on the cross pays for my sins and there's no way for me to pay for it. I'm trusting you to take me to heaven when I die. Something along those lines, just surrendering yourself to him. And he says, if you really do that from your heart, you mean that, 
you have eternal life, a life that lasts forever. And then now you can start fine-tuning this race like we've been talking about. But it all starts by you surrendering everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him to have all of this apply to you. And it's something no one else can do for you. You have to do it yourself. You just surrender. I'm yours. And let him take the rest of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. And Father, thank you for um, giving me this to speak. I know this is what you wanted me to say today. Father, um, I pray that um, each of us would in a heartfelt way continually ask you what race we're running to make sure that the race we're running is an eternal race. It's a valuable race. It's one that's, that's going to mean something in forever and ever in eternity. So, Father, I pray that we'd honestly ask that question. And once we know that we are running your race, Father, I pray that um, we would constantly be looking for ways, like a marathon runner, even a anyone a swimmer think of what swimmers wear how they shave their body because they think hair is going to slow them down father they're doing everything they can possibly do to trim things down so they can run or swim faster father help us as believers use the same methods help us use the same amount of energy to really just try to be more efficient in running the race for you against this world system against Satan and against ourselves. So help us ask the question of what slows us down. And Father, definitely help us ask the question of what stops us. If there's sin in our life that we need to confess, even though we don't know what the answer, how it's all going to work out, we know the answer is to confess it and forsake it as many times as we need to and then avoid it like the plague. So Father, I pray that we would do those hard things each day and we would look to you as our endurance as our enthusiasm look to you for our energy this world is is a bunch of junk food and you are soul food father you're energy food and um, father help us feed on you man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God and help us find our nourishment and our encouragement and our strength and our endurance from you speaking to us through your word and your Holy Spirit empowering us. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us and we would apply this to our lives. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.